All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Eighth Note Sessions. I'm Devin Mullen. And I'm Mike Shamil. And tonight we have Liz Colosimo, marketer, advocate for her for her child, entrepreneurial wonderkind, and whatever you like. Liz, how you doing tonight? I'm good, Devin. I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so, for having me. I wanted to, to, to chit chat with you tonight about the rigors of working uh, as the parent of a young artist mm-hmm. and all the uh, challenges that, that come along with that. Right now in the news, of course, there's uh, talk about Britney Spears and her emancipation from, uh, you know, her, her father. In, in a Finally. Finally. Long, long overdue. Yeah. Very long mm-hmm. overdue. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wanted to talk to somebody who is engaged in that dynamic right now. But as best I can tell, I've I've met your son. He doesn't seem to be living too much under the weight of oppression. So it's it seems no. like it's okay. I think he's all right. I think he's okay. Yeah, he's getting um, there. How how did that his journey in the music start? And and when when did you become uh, such an active player? in that journey with him? Um, so I would say when Michael was freshman, sophomore in high school, so 14, 15 years old, he was really struggling in terms of his mental health. Um, he was dealing with depression, anxiety. He was um, nearly expelled from high school. Like it, it was really bad. Um, we were seeing doctors. I mean, we were doing everything we could. And um we got to the point where I started realizing the only time he was doing well was when he was playing music. Um, and so we finally sat down together and I was like, what, how can I help you? What can I do? And he's like, I just want to play music. And I was like, okay, I am, I will do whatever it takes to get you. Well, I will do everything I can to help you make it in music. If you can just work on yourself and your own mental health and well being. Um, and so we kind of made this pact that we were going to work together. To me, it was just, I need my son to be okay. Right. I mean, this is my child and, um, it's difficult as a parent to watch your children go through anything painful. Um, but I, at that point I started looking for opportunities for him to play, whether it was open mics, whether it was, there was, you know, there was all kinds of, um, places for him to start, but at this point he was 14 years old. He didn't have a driver's license. He couldn't go into any of these places without an adult. Um, so I sort of started stepping in for him and I would like reach out to op- the people that ran the open mics. Um, I think Julian Bergio was one, Trevor was one. Um, there was an open mic at the music room in East Aurora and I would drive him all over so he could play. And what I started noticing was the more he was getting in front of a crowd, and grabbing his guitar and playing his original music, the better he was doing in his head. Like he was, he was improving. Um, we moved him from traditional high school. He went to Harkness to the audio engineering program. Um, that made a huge difference. But it, I didn't expect him to do as well in music as he did. So it was open mics, and we're driving all over. And then he started getting asked, like the music room asked, started asking him to play sets. Um, then he started getting asked to sit in with people. He got involved with the Blues Foundation. And all of these still, he's 16 years old. He doesn't have a driver's license. Even when he got his driver's license, he couldn't drive after nine. Um, so I was 
with him. And what I sort of started doing was basically sort of stepping in to teach him, okay, it's more than just, you're gonna get up there and you're gonna play music. You've also got, if you're really gonna be booking a set at the music room, you've gotta promote it. You've gotta get on social media. Let's make you a Facebook page. Let's make you an Instagram. Um, <laughs> that's specifically for your business. And we spent a lot of time sort of going through learning that process and figuring out um, how he wanted to promote himself. I was, you know, I mean, so, I, I basically kind of taught him everything. Maybe you'd go to school for marketing to learn. And that's, um, and that's something I, I kind of wanted to, to touch on. Cause that's um, in our pre-interview conversation, we were talking about how the, the impetus of a lot of music is, is sort of the escape from the oppressive, uh, uh, you know, mental health concerns yeah um, which very very prescient right now um now in order to continue making music at a certain scale there's kind of a cost of entry and it's not necessarily a a moral good or a necessity it's just kind of the way things are yeah um do you ever in, in that transition into something that really is this process of, of therapy and uh, self-healing, uh, adding on, tacking the uh, the less compassionate elements of marketing and, and business onto that, um, do you ever find difficulty in synergizing those two rather different approaches uh, in, in a way that's ultimately serving that primary goal of being a process of healing? I mean, so I know he, he is an artist and creative people in general, at least from my experience, don't love the business side of things. Nope. Um, so I'm not, he does not, <laughs> he doesn't love um, doing that side of this, but he will tell anyone who asks that he wants to be a musician. That is what he wants to do for a career um so it's something he's willing to learn because of it he got very lucky because i mean i do i have a you know i have i don't have a degree in marketing but i've been in marketing for the last 11 or 12 years um my degree is in economics which i have not used um but like he so he's very lucky that i was able to teach him all of that stuff but i think he's never going to love it but he knows how to do it and also what we have what, what we found in the beginning was he used to share to like his private, his own personal Instagram page or his own personal Facebook. And what was happening was, I mean, kids are awful, right? And kids would get on there. And I mean, I have screenshots. I can remember this happening. Like kids would get on there and be like, just go kill yourself. You're, you're awful, you're terrible. Um, and that was when I was like, all right, we're gonna make you an actual music page. And you know, because you're underage, I'm going to have access to it as well so that I can step in because he doesn't, you know, at that age, he didn't know how to handle these things. And a lot of these kids that go through bullying and things like that don't know how to deal with those kinds of situations. Um, and so creating a professional page and him seeing, as long as I am presenting myself professionally um, and openly and honestly, that he gets a much better reaction um, his page is not full of his friends, meaning like his marketing now does not go out to his friends from high school. It's going out to his fans and the people that really appreciate his music. And it's made a big 
difference, but we needed to have that separation. And I think a lot of young kids, when they're, they're starting out in music, they just share to their own pages and you really need to, it's important, I think for young people, if they're serious to create a music specific page or an art specific page, maybe they're, you know, they're, they paint or they, um, because it, it adds a level of professionalism. Um, and as a parent, it was important for me to be able to keep an eye on it and make sure he wasn't dealing with any of the kind of things he was dealing with on his personal pages. And it's made a difference in like his own well-being. Um, you know, and I know I can just jump in if I need to, I can just jump in there and block, you know, if a crazy ex-girlfriend gets on the page and starts going crazy. Um, but I, you know, he doesn't, he does not love that side of it. He knows it's a necessity. He, he's not, I mean, he, he's a writer. He writes music. He writes three or four songs at night sometimes. But if you ask him to sit down and like write an essay, he can't. So a lot of times he will like speak his posts to like the, the voice recorder on his phone. And then I will go in there and edit it for grammar and punctuation just to make sure it looks professional. Um, eventually I'm not going to do that for him, but it's, you know, it's, I think it's important for him to have an authentic voice. I think it, if you're really going to touch people and you're really going to um, to get people behind you, you need to be authentic. And that is one thing that he has done a really great job with in his own way. Is that and, something um, that, that you ever stress about, though, that, that eventual sort of baby bird leaving the nest kind uh, of yeah, thing? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, Someday, I don't think there's parents out there that yours. don't. Yeah, no, that I think that's a, you know, that's a tale as old as time. I don't think there's any parent that that doesn't worry. Um, I know that time is coming rather soon. And he's 18 now, right? He's 18. He is. Um, and, you know, he turned 18 during a pandemic. And so it's like really hard to like go out and get an apartment with your friends and like go like, oh, I want to go live the life in Nashville. Well, there's nothing to do. Right. So he's kind of stuck at home right now, <laughs> which I'm grateful for. Um, but I do imagine he will probably, it won't be too long before he's out on his own. And I, you know, I worry, I mean, can he, can he, can he do his laundry right? Can he, can he actually do the dishes? Like those kinds of Pro things. Probably not at first. If, It'll if, take some no. time. If, if my Listen, memory serves, probably not. Year old but, boys' you know. apartments, they, they're not pretty. So <laughs> I'm keeping my expectations oh, low. It's a hot my yeah. first apartment, I didn't know why it was important to have furniture. I had a computer desk <laughs> and I had a wall of guitars and instruments and amps. But when yeah. I had people over, they, they, they sat on like the two bar stools I had. And it wasn't you until I started dating that a girl kind of pointed out to me, you know, it'd be nice. I'd spend more time over at your place if we could sit on like a couch instead of at your <laughs> computer desk and the bar stools. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you got to go through those stages, you know? And, yeah, you do. Um, you, you know, as it, it sounds like you're really giving him a lot to start off with, though. I, I definitely I hope so. A I'm lot trying. of people, when I got into music, you know, I was about his age and I was starting to perform. And um, our drummer's dad, um, he would just kind of shepherded us for a couple of years. And then after that, he's like, all right, you guys are going to take over booking. Here's the passwords for all this stuff. Here's like everything I helped you with you're on your own you know he still allowed us to you know practice in his basement for a few more years and you know having that kind of support in the beginning was really crucial because yeah uh, there are a lot of you know unfortunately i sometimes feel like as as a musician that sometimes we are 
um, not so much sharing our content with others, but uh, more of a vehicle for others to make money. You know, I look at like the, you know, all the executive types at record labels and oh, yeah. streaming providers and venues and all sorts of stuff. And, and some of them are fantastic, you know, like especially some of the local venues and stuff. Yeah. But there's a lot of folks out there that really do take advantage of musicians. And as an industry, it's a real problem. And oh, yeah. a lot of it is because we get into this and yeah, as an artist, we're not great at that. You know, the music business mm -hmm. side of things. We got the music part down good. The business part, we look at it and we're just kind of like, ah, and when you don't have a foundation in at least the basics and how to navigate some of that stuff, it is really easy to be taken advantage. And until you learn some of those skills, whether you like it or not, until you really like start to, you know, uh, get the hang of some of them, you can't really fight for what's, you know, what you deserve, you know, whether it be, you know, proper pay for playing shows or, mm -hmm. you know, getting your, you know, the, your rightful cut of, you know, merch sales and things like that. Yeah, I will, I will add, I mean, obviously I'm teaching them what I can, um, but the Music is Art Alliance, Western New York Music Alliance has been um, hugely impactful to him in terms of teaching him things that I can't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think I, I brought him, he was 17 when he came down and that group has been so important to him in terms of, well, one, creating relationships with other musicians. It's hard when you're young to get out there and meet other musicians. There's just not a lot of opportunities for that. Um, and then also it's been so great for teaching him. You know, we've gone to we've gone to sessions on on copyright and trademarking. We've gone to sessions on touring. Like it's all kinds of like I don't know. I know a certain aspect of this business that I can really help him with. And obviously I'm always going to be his biggest advocate. Like if we're not our kids' biggest advocates, who will be? Um, but the Alliance has really been integral in pounding in some of the important business side aspects of it that he and I didn't realize mattered. Um, and that's been really awesome. And I would, any if there's any parents out there with, with kids who are interested in music, please look up the Alliance because it is really an incredible group and I mean, just so welcoming, you know what I mean? Michael's not a real popular kid. Like he really doesn't have a ton of friends, um, but he thinks of that group as like family. Like to him, it, it's just, it really is a, a unique group that we've all, I, I count myself, we've all created there um, and a very safe space for any age, any level. Um, I mean, I think he played a couple open mics when he started coming to the Alliance meetings and then it was like music is art battle of the bands and then it kind of grew from there. But that group has been really helpful in setting that foundation for him as well. And they go out of their way. I mean, there's been times um, they had a virtual, he had a virtual graduation from high school this past year, 2020. And Facebook did this huge 2020 virtual graduation. I don't know if you guys saw anything about it, but it was like a big deal. They had all kinds yeah. of stars. And Michael had written this, this random, yeah, everyone wrote a quarantine song, right? He wrote, he had written a quarantine song about staying home. And that song got licensed for the Facebook graduation. And um, I reached out to some of our friends from the Alliance and they actually got us in touch with an attorney who read through again, read through that contract, that license before he signed it um you know they went out of their way to do that they didn't have to um 
and there were mistakes in that contract. So it was actually really, <laughs> I was really grateful that they went through it. But those kinds of things, I can teach them, I can teach them a lot, but we've also been really lucky that we have the the group of people around us that we have that help look out for him and teach. I don't know if we yeah. want a, a graphic for that, but uh, one of number one on Liz's hot tips, uh, <laughs> don't sign any contract without an attorney present. Never sign anything without an attorney looking at it first ever. Yes, that is my number one. That is the first thing I think we've started pounding into him. And he was only playing open mics. And my husband and I were like, if anyone gives you anything to sign, you do not sign it ever. Like that is our, our big. Yeah, that's Liz's hot tip. Number one. I might have more. We'll see. You just we'll see, never we'll know. See, we'll see if they come up. Um, <laughs> so something else we were talking about in our pre-interview just to, to shift gears a bit is on the the overall prevalence of, of mental health in uh in the music community I, yeah I, it's it's to the degree where we uh for i can't imagine too many viewers at home don't know about this but we have things like the 27 club which is uh, a collection of very influential famous artists who have passed away uh due to varying causes yeah. at the age of 27. um you know, it's this tricky thing where initially music does start out as an escape from, uh, you know, from from that that low place. But the the journey to it can sometimes really spiral into places that it, it really was never supposed to, and come crashing yeah. down. Kind of. Um, do you think to that? engaging with the, the music industry alliance and, and stuff like that i i would hope to that beyond the the business acumen and everything that mike is getting a, a sense of community that if if he does fall at the least there's going to be people around to you know help him back up or, or oh, yeah catch him and all that absolutely you know because it's it's a tricky thing where i, I was in a and this is tangential but I was talking about uh, in a, a group chat yesterday uh, for one of our post-APOC shows about sort of the commodification of of mental illness, of just illness in general, sort of turning it away from being this, raising awareness about it, turning that into practical action, more into just an engine for making a life for yourself. And, and the difference between the two and how the latter is uh not so good do you, do you ever worry that you know in in dealing with this healing process that the the demands of the market right now which are to stand out in a unique and authentic way to tell your story um do you feel that sometimes artists get too trapped in that story to the point where it becomes untenable to start a new one or to engage in a process of transformation out of it because i mean do i, I i'm sure that there's artists that do right but i think part of being authentic is being authentic um and not everyone feels comfortable talking about mental illness and and, and their own mental health but if you do and and michael does typically feel pretty comfortable talking about it I think it, it's beneficial because it's not, you're not, Matt, Matthew, I'm doing the an interview. At home. <laughs> I, 
let me let me catch my train of thought. So I I do believe um, that to be authentic, you have to be authentic. That's important. Um, in Michael's case, he he very openly talks about his mental health and and the things he deals with with depression. He also you know, weaves that in with my depression is what helps me write music. And when I'm at my worst is typically when I write my best music. He's, he's, he'll, he'll tell anyone that, and it's true. Um, do I feel like that's trapped him? No. Do I see people commodify it potentially? But I think the more authentic you are, the more people you're going to truly reach not commercially. Do you know I, what I mean? I, I, I do know what you mean. And and just to, to clarify, because I'm I understand this is in the frame of like I, I'm not saying him in particular because he's yeah, you know, he, he's just recently 18, so obviously he's got a, a long way to, to grow in and go. He's still fresh and innocent compared to us crusty old one. He is. <laughs> I, he I, is, I know. I, I suppose I know. what what I'm what I'm saying is is this idea of authenticity do you think very often uh, tied to things like, like, for example, I have, I have major depression, um, you know, that the mood disorder fully diagnosed. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not just a thing I say. Um, if my sense of authenticity is tied to the fact that I'm always depressed and I always write my best music when I'm depressed and I'm 28, so I'm in a different life context. So I yeah. have a different way to approach it. Um, I, I would think that that might not be sustainable long term, you know? So my question is, do you think I mean, that, the, 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 the well, depressive disorder is long term? It is. So why would it not be sustainable long? Like you don't think people want to listen long term? Or No, I, I think it's I just wonder if if you're saying to yourself, I am at my most authentic when I'm at my most depressed, if that is in a way, and I'm not, and again, I'm not saying this for, yeah. for your son. I'm just saying writ large over the course of one's life over decades. Yeah. Um, do you think that's kind of like an unhealthy romanticization, romanticization of, of mental illness as an engine of creativity? That instead I of mean, using I don't, I wouldn't, a... I would, I would say it's all, it's more motivating, right? Because when you're at your worst, it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to take a shower. It, you, you want to sleep and, and sit in the dark. And if you can at least place it in your head that, all right, I'm at my worst right now, but I know I'm about to write something amazing. Maybe even if that pulls you a tiny bit out of what you're dealing with, that's a positive. Right. And so if you reframe that to realize that um, I know when I'm at my worst, that I'm capable of doing better and I'm capable of doing something good, that could potentially bring you out of it. I will. I, can, I, can I give you an example from American Idol? Um, sure. And I, I don't want to go too much into detail, except I will say, I mean, Michael, Michael was flown out by Idol to California this year. Um, he auditioned for the judges. He got the golden ticket from the celebrity judges and like 48 hours before he was leaving for Hollywood week to fly back out the network psychologist, um, had an attorney reach out and tell Michael that he had not passed the mental health risk assessment. <clears throat> when Michael and I called the doctor to find out what was going on. And he was very open and honest with this doctor about, 
his depression and, you know, his diagnosis and the medication. And, um, this doctor, very similar to what you just said was like, listen, we have an issue in the music industry, especially, um, with mental health. And I'm not sure that you are prepared in your own head for the celebrity and fame that is going to come along with American Idol right this second. I need Matthew. Matthew. All right. I need you, but he was very clear. I need you to spend one more year working on yourself. I need you to be in a better place mentally and be better prepared for this. Now that was a crushing blow to Michael because it was like, he had earned this. He had the golden ticket in his room. He was packed and ready to go and it was ripped away from him. But as I've had time to reflect on it, I appreciate, I do appreciate the fact that- Right, right. I was like, like, so you just totally depressed and depressed it. But (laughs) I was able to step back and say, okay, this guy could very well be right, right? Michael's gonna go from everyone in Buffalo knows me to everyone in the nation knows me and I can't do anything stupid and everyone's gonna be watching me and he might not be prepared and he might not be prepared for the rigors of celebrity. Who is prepared for that? Um, So as angry as I was when it happened, I've had time to say to myself, like instant fame is not the answer. And I'm kind of grateful that a doctor said, I want him to work on his mental health a little bit longer. Now he's not planning to go back, right? He's like, I don't want to be a reality TV star. Um, But it was kind of nice to realize that um, they made a decision that may not have been the best for the show, but might have been the best for Michael and his own mental health. And I think that speaks to how serious some of the mental health issues are as you move up in music. and I do, I, I mean, obviously, I think, Devin, I'm sure that there are artists out there that um, incentivize it in a way, right? They use it as like a badge of honor. With Michael, it's it's not a badge of honor. It's just who he is. That is part of who he is. And um, out of it comes some beautiful things. And it, and it, you know, does obviously makes his life a lot more difficult than the normal average person. But there's this creativity that I'm not sure would exist if there wasn't some um, stuff going on in his brain. Like, and and I I absolutely agree with that. I think uh, music especially uh, is, is very reactive. Yeah. It's, it's in, it's in response to some happening or some condition of, of your life. Um, And, and I, I, I don't disagree with with anything you're saying. It, I'm not saying that people who who write music as a way to soothe the pain they feel are not being real, are not being honest about their story, or or anything like that. My hope would be that you know that that work in the creative space can continue, also, in addition in places that don't require one to be driven so low yeah you know a hundred percent and my that's that's in part my difficulty with with business and industry because you are going to be searching for strategies not not sort of taking the sign you know the sinuous journey touching upon the various markers that do it for you but looking for the direct path to get you there and I think you end up in cases, you know, that, that's how you end up with Amy Winehouse or Elliot Smith or, or Robin Williams or, you know, take your Chris pick. Cornell. Yep. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you, um, you, brought, you brought up a good point too about you know, I, I think the in the way the doctor framed things of look like. You know, we're not saying that you're a shitty musician and you shouldn't have this opportunity that you deserve. But if you have this, if you jump on board with this very overwhelming experience now, if you, especially when you aren't ready for it, you don't have that, you know, foundation to work off of, you know, it could have a really negative effect on you. I mean, we, right. you can still get stories of bands like Nirvana where, you know, when they became famous, it was overwhelming and, you know, artists like, Kurt Cobain really struggled with that newfound fame and yeah. you know it, it amplified problems he was already struggling with and you would hate to see someone that you know go through that so it looks like he's got a really good opportunity now to you know continue working on himself um, you know it sounds like he's also found himself a support network because that's another thing that I think a lot of musicians aren't taught um, especially when we get into this is find yourself a support group, you know, yeah. whether it be friends or people who, um, you know, are, are into supporting musicians or other musicians, find those people that you connect with and be there for each other. Um, you know, I personally throughout the pandemic, um, have gotten closer to a few musicians that I know that, um, you know, I knew most of them before, not all of them. I knew most of them before the pandemic, but we really kind of huddled together throughout this pandemic. And it's helped a lot, you know, not just with, you know, promoting each other's music and giving each other that boost, but more importantly, it's helped us a lot with like just having an outlet and other people that understands the problems we're in, the the difficulties we're facing as musicians and, you know, and, and sharing stories of our mental health. And it really helps a lot to kind of have that sense of belonging and some people that you can really trust with your, your opinions and your feelings. Yeah. Um, you got to find your people. You got to find you your people. You f- I'm glad you found your people, Mike. I am glad I will. Can I add one thing though? So we, like we talk about, and I, I mean, uh, listen, I, um, I was 19, I think 20, maybe a little, I mean, yeah. When Kurt Cobain died and it was like, a shock. I mean, it really was a shock because that genre of music had just taken over our lives. Um, but I want to point out something that's changed. So we have like Chris Cornell, Kurt Cobain, and what's the lead singer of um, Lincoln Park? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chester Bennington. Chester Bennington. Yes. Um, one of the things that changed back then, you had paparazzi following them around. There was rumors about their mental health. You absolutely knew they were dealing with things like depression when you listen to their lyrics, right? When you listen to what they've written, you're like, oh my God, they were going through some stuff. Um, But they didn't have social media. There was no opportunity for them to speak out back then, unless you wanted to get in front of a microphone with a TV reporter or some paparazzi or, or, you know, Rolling Stone magazine. There wasn't the opportunity to speak out in the way that there is now. Now, I don't know long term, is it going to be a positive or a negative that all of a sudden artists have a voice and they can speak out on topics that are important to them and they can be honest and authentic with their audience at any time of the day or night via social media? I don't know in the long term if that's going to turn out to be beneficial or harmful, but it has changed the way it works, right? Like we all looked back and we were like, well, look, my God, listening to Kurt Cobain, like you could tell. Right. You knew you should, we should have all known it was coming. We shouldn't have been shocked just by listening to his lyrics. But I, I have to think to myself, like, imagine if social media was a thing and he could have jumped on there 
and just started like waxing poetic on a Facebook post about what he was going through. It's an interesting question of um, do some of these people who really are struggling the most and would an outlet have helped them or hindered them, right? Like they always say, don't read the comments, right? So maybe just post it and then press send and walk away. (laughs) But, you know, I find at least with Michael, when he does speak up about his own mental health struggles and challenges, um, that he gets really incredible support and feedback on his social media channels from people that have gone through the same thing or people that are, are just saying, you know, how can I help or keep your head up? Um, from you know, people private, kids private messaging him saying, "I've been going through the same. I've been going through the same thing, and I, I thought I was alone." Um, it's been positive for him so far. If he was to go to the next level, like say he went to American Idol and suddenly he had one hundred fifty thousand people on his page commenting, would that have changed? Probably, right? But at least for him so far, it's been a positive outlet for him sometimes to just get stuff off his chest and walk away, right? Like. I mean, through the a release through the lens of uh, as a marketing tool, social media, of course, is majorly useful because just the the sheer amount of people you can you can encounter and share your story with, and 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 the ways you can tell stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, you 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 really it's very easy to make a photographic or video, you know, journal of your life and and share that with people. Um, I don't. I, like you said, it's complicated. I can't imagine yeah. it operates in any particular binary where overall it's positive or overall it's bad. I think I think there's a lot lost and a lot gained through it. I I can't imagine that people who felt the kind of social anxiety that that Kurt Cobain did, or the the sort of more comfort in and not being in the spotlight. I can't imagine that kind of environment would be good for them, but there would be something analogous to Kurt Cobain that thrived more in it. It, it, it shifts the, the favorability to different kinds of artists and different kinds of storytelling, which is, which is why I'm asking these questions about, you know, latching on too much to the most traumatic, significantly harmful elements of of one's own story um you know more more about me i also got crohn's disease that is i did not, not know that yeah exactly it's not it's not in an iota of my marketing because it's not is it in any of your songs no why would it be just thought i'd ask it's, it's I'd a, it, no it's a, it's a gi illness why would i be singing about it i don't you know, know. That, I mean... that, 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 that's what i'm saying not not everything is supposed to be <laughs> I believe I, I couldn't deal with every aspect of my life being commodified. Yeah. Now there are artists who are empowered by that and more power to them. Cause if things were different, they might not have recourse at all. So I think it's, as you say, just a shakeup of things and yeah. different people are going to be elevated and different people are going to be left out, but that's kind of how time progresses, you know, it's kind of life. Yeah. No, no one no one gets or not everyone gets anything sometimes yeah well and then further that point i mean even especially too with social media it's a constantly changing game i mean the algorithms change the requirements i mean what worked on instagram when it came out versus the way it works now (laughs) doesn't um you know it's it's such a moving (laughs) target it's hard to keep up with and yeah 
it's you know there are moments where you're like wow like i have all these followers and things and you can share so much with them so easy and then like the next morning you wake up and they've changed something and now suddenly like you still have all those followers but you know only this many can you know actually see what you're posting unless enough of them like it then it gets bumped up to sit shown with more people and you know and and that may be the way it works for now and you know in a couple of days they might change their mind and say yeah we're gonna yeah. throw that idea out and change it for for something else so it you know it's kind of a it, it's kind of a balancing act because you want to continue to um, take advantage of the benefits of social media, but it's ultimately going to have a lot of pitfalls along the way as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, part of why I think I love marketing is because it's constantly changing. And so I, it never, it's never this, like I'd go to work and it was never the same day. You know what I mean? Day in and day out. Cause you're basically figuring out, okay, what's changed. What's the new algorithm? What do we need to do? Um, do we need to boost? What do we, I mean, it was just like, it's a constant, I enjoyed that. Like I could never, I'm not the type of person who could just go to work every day and do the same thing day in and day out. Um, like I love marketing because it's always changing from an independent standpoint. It's difficult to keep up with. It really, really is. Um, and I find it like fast I find it fascinating trying to sort of figure out the algorithm. You know what I mean? That's like a hobby of mine is to just, let me see if I can figure out the algorithm and how many shares does this need to show Facebook there's enough activity that they're going to show it to more than 10% of your, your followers. You know what I mean? I really enjoy it, but it's tough to keep up with. It's very difficult. And Google's worse. You know what I mean? Like the Google algorithm is even worse. I, my, um, Michael's newest venture is Twitch, which I know you do too, Mike. Um, and I mean, in terms of like reach and and monetizing your music as a musician that is a hundred percent the best thing he has done i don't know if like gigs are back up and they're playing every week if he's going to continue it but right now i mean i mean he he had so many donations coming in from twitch that paypal shut his account off and they were like we think you're up to something like why are you all of a sudden getting all this money you know he had to like send proof how dare you make money young man right and i said to him i'm like you need a hundred thousand a hundred thousand listens on spotify to equal what you've made in on twitch this week right so i love the and it's it's still at least for music it's still kind of a new platform yeah because it was traditionally gaming and it's right you know we people realize well wait a minute like out of a lot of the streaming services out there for like live streaming stuff, it actually has decent sound quality, which yeah. has been one of the biggest frustrations. And you know, some things are starting to catch up, but like that was driving a lot of us musicians crazy. Was well, what can we use to perform to people in real time? That's better quality than like like Instagram quality is terrible for their streaming. Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's and it's nice because I mean, you have like very active chats, right? And so there's engagement and you're, you know, you're, you're talking and you're chatting and you're getting to know people. And I mean, it is for while we're all still sort of stuck at home. It's a nice, it's a really great medium to be involved with as a musician. I've been really impressed um, out of all the social media channels. And obviously I'm like Facebook and Instagram is my, that's my jam. Um, but I understand why Michael is completely content to just be on Twitch right now. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. really been so. It's been pretty awesome. Liz's hot tip number two. Hot tip number two. Check out Twitch. It's pretty good. Check out Twitch. If you're a musician, definitely check out Twitch. Yes. 
Yes. Um, so Liz, we, we are about at time. So I, I just want to step out of the, the morass of marketing and mental health. And I'm loving myself for the alliteration there. <laughs> um, we had, we had a, a beautiful poetic image in the pre-interview conversation as well, which was the silence of fresh snowfall. Oh, yeah. So the sound of a freshly fallen snow. Yeah, which is, which is to say nothing. No, mm -hmm. no, no sound. No sound at all. Mm -hmm. Complete silence. Um, you know, life confined as it is, is still full of a frenetic, busy activity, whether it is racing thoughts or an endless stream of, you know, distance projects or daily worries and stresses or this, that, and the other. How do you find your daily serenity? Um, I don't, actually. <laughs> For being totally honest, I don't because oh. I'm incapable of slowing down. Um, <laughs> Devin, the kids are not back at school yet. Why would you ask uh, that? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, no, I don't. Like, I mean, I really, I... I got furloughed and I'm like, oh, I think I'll make a YouTube channel. Right. And I started putting a lot of time into that. And I started, I, I, I I'm always doing something. Um, but I do, I like to get up before everyone else. Right. I get up I make a pot of coffee before anyone else is up in the house. And I have 30 minutes to myself where I'm just kind of there and I'm drinking my coffee and I'm relaxing and it's not much, but it's enough to start the day out with just a little bit of like, collecting my thoughts and what needs to be done today and what time do the kids need to be on zoom calls? And you know what I mean? Like it's, um, that's probably it. And I, we, we had a music is our Alliance session a couple of weeks ago where they talked about meditation and starting with morning writing. And I've really set a goal to start that Philip Steven talked about it. Oh yeah. Um, I have not started it yet, but it's on my list. Um, cause I do think that that would be beneficial, but that's kind of it. I am always on the go. If I'm not, I, um, I'm really bothered. I have to have like a lot of projects all the time and they're not always like, I mean, starting to do a YouTube channel is not really benefiting me very much, but it like, Oh, you want busy work. I'll give you busy work. It, it fills my time <laughs> with something creative. Um, I really enjoyed doing it, but no, I don't. What do you, do you guys have anything specific that you do for oh a got, little got a serenity list. and silence? I got to say my, I'm a big fan of the coffee in the morning uh, when it's like sun's not fully out. So everything's kind of like a blue, like a gray blue. Yeah. 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 And just letting, hearing the coffee machine drip, look out the window, uh, have my cat bring me a sock, which they've haunted and you know, are, are triumphantly yawping over. Oh, it's brilliant. That's yeah, funny. that's kind of what my kids do to me. So I, I can feel you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I relate to being crazy busy. I, I'm also guilty of if there is a gap in time where there's not much to do, I will find something to do to fill it. You know, I, yeah. I definitely have more projects than I need, but I, I kind of like it that way. But I also, you know, I have... I've had to work on personally um, balancing a lot because um, I used to burn out really hard. I I just would work myself to the point where like, you know, I'd just be physically sick and yeah. um, then I'd be good for a while. And then I'd kind of repeat that process. And, 
you know, I still do a little bit to some degree, but I've, I've gotten better at, you know, uh, changing my lifestyle up a lot and taking less stuff on and saying no. To, it's hard to, to say things. no. So hard, especially when something's really cool and interesting. Yeah, um, it's really hard. I like shiny things. What can I say? Um, the same. Uh, but, same, Mike. Uh, I, I find that. <laughs> um, I find that for me, um, I have a couple of things I do that that really help me. Uh, you know, in the morning, I get up, and after I shut my alarm off, I try not to. I try to resist the urge to grab my phone and start scrolling right away. I try to give myself like ten minutes before I even get my butt out of bed. To I just, need to like, do that. I need to do that. Take a moment to like feel like think about the day before and just like be thankful and just think that a I woke up and have another day mm-hmm. and that I had yesterday and all the experiences within it. Um, and I just spend a few minutes just trying to just meditate and take inventory of what I'm thankful for and then think for a moment, okay, what do I want to do today? Um, and then I also, in between stuff, I am really good at shoehorning in little bits of time in between projects. Or like if I'm on my way somewhere, sometimes I'll take a few minutes to like, oh, that park looks really cool. I'm going to pull over and just take like five minutes to just leave my phone in my pocket or in the car and walk for a few minutes and catch some fresh air or pull up my camera and do some photography or go get coffee on my lunch break and like write, you know, even if it's not lyrics, just write whatever is rattling around my head and squeezing those things in between stuff helps a lot too. Cause it gives me a chance to like stop and breathe and bring my anxiety from like up here down to like, at least here. (laughs) I like, I love that, Mike. I seriously love that. Like I'm, I'm wondering if you could just like text me a couple times a day and be like, Hey Liz, Go take five minutes for yourself, please, right now. <laughs> Just do it because it's awesome. One thing we do, and it's not daily, but one thing we do try to do, we go camping a lot, not a lot, like a few times a year, but we'll go up to like Allegheny where there's zero service. And it does, it takes me a few days to like disconnect. Like I'm like grabbing my phone and checking. I'm like, maybe I have service now. I don't, right? <laughs> it takes a few days. But like once I'm disconnected, it is a really beautiful feeling to realize like no one can reach me right now. I can't check any updates. Everything's going to be fine. It'll still be there when I get back. Um, And I think that's really important too, for like just your own, like your soul to like disconnect every now and then. And for us, like being in our family, at least for being like, just being out in nature is very rejuvenating. Right. So we do do that. Um, And we do try to go to places with no service whatsoever, which is always terrifying for the first 48 hours. And then I, I accept and embrace, right? But I have to get through the first 48 hours of what if I'm missing some, you know, fear of missing out, right? <laughs> there's I'm an like, important text important? or something. How I mean, are my I, channels yeah. analytics doing? I don't know. <laughs> what I found has been working great for me is just turning my phone off, leaving it at home, closing my eyes and just walking. Just walking through Indeed. the park, you know, with my eyes closed and I know nothing's out there. Nothing can hurt me. I'm completely, I'm completely safe in my little world of darkness. It's great. Are you really walking through the park with your eyes closed? Oh, oh yeah. 100%. I'm totally not doing a bit. Um, (laughs) So folks on, on that, on that happier note, find, find your daily serenity, 
this is hot tip number three. Hot even tip if number three. You know, even if it's just drinking your coffee and, mm-hmm. you know, enjoying the half hour you got. Sometimes that can be enough. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry this was depressing, you guys. I didn't mean for it to be. No, not at all. <sighs> not depressing. Jeez. I don't know. It's a lot of good me. stuff to think about. I'm looking forward to, to tomorrow morning. I'm taking this little golden retriever puppy. I'm sitting for a walk. I'll be nice. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, that's the secret. Feet, right? The dog that's leads the him through the park. Yeah, that's the secret. <laughs> oh, Michael just got home. All right. And on that note, I think we are we are at time. Liz, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks I'm for Devin. having me, guys. Thank you. I'm Devin Mullen. I'm Mike Shamil. And this has been the Eighth Note Sessions. Catch you next time. Here's an excerpt from Mike Delano's song, Release Yourself. You can find his music at michaeldelanomusic.com. That's Michael, D-E-L-A-N-O, music.com. And I can't change being what you wanted me to be. Somebody told me when I was young, I The Eighth Note Sessions are produced by Music is Art. Help keep programs like this going by donating today at musicisart.org. Thank you for listening.